Hey now, hey now, hey now, ladies and gentlemen, it is a brand new edition of Over the Line, uh, December 8th, 2020. Can you believe how fast we are moving along? This is crazy. It is uh, six days away, y'all, six days away from the Electoral College certifying the uh, election results, the 2020 election results, which uh, has got some of y'all worried, and I get it. I, I kind of had a feeling, and I didn't even realize we were seven days away yesterday until a little later in the day, but uh, I did have a, uh, I, I did feel a little down yesterday. I, I, I thought about it at the end of the day, and I was like, you know what? I kind of almost, almost felt a little defeated yesterday. And then I remembered who we're sticking up for and how much this guy has overcome time and time and time again. Stuff that nobody else would be able to overcome, especially in the world of politics. So I've still got 100% faith. But that's not primarily what we're going to talk about today. What I want to do, and, and and I've done this a couple times over the past few weeks, and, and you know, there's really it's a two-sided deal as to why i do it um tucker carlson did a piece last night about china and their influence here in the u.s now we know about the potential for china to have some pretty serious influence in the u.s under a joe biden presidency we know all the stuff about hunter we know the ties to to communist China that they have. We really just know that they owe tons of favors to China, and that can't be good for any U.S. president to owe any foreign country, especially one that's hostile towards us, any favors. But we're staring that right in the face. But now we're finding out even more, as a videotape has come out, of a an economics professor in China speaking to an audience about their influence campaign in the U.S., and especially when it relates directly to Donald Trump and Joe Biden. It was shocking video, to say the least. I could not believe my eyes as I was watching this thing. Now, as soon as it was posted, I guess over the past day or two, uh, because this is recent, this is within, I, I guess, within the last two weeks this speech was made. It's post-election, whenever it was. Um, as soon as it was posted, it was deleted. But Tucker and his team, was able, they were able to get their hands on it and play it. I, I tried just to kind of subvert the Tucker uh, segment, tried to find the clip itself, but... I can only find bits and pieces of it. So I'm going to play you Tucker's piece, and plus he'll add a little context to some of it. For those of you on the audio side, I'm going to read the subtitles because there's no translation in here. They, they, they have subtitles at the bottom for those of you watching here on YouTube. But for those listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all the other podcast apps, you're just going to hear a bunch of uh, Mandarin, a bunch of... Uh, <laughs> So we say in Alabama, a bunch of Chinese talking, okay? So I'm going to try to read it to you as we go through, but I'll let Tucker do some explaining as well, and then we'll kind of discuss what the implications are or 
what the ramifications are now that we know this. But another aspect of this is once this report came out, there's some other news outlets that are coming out with their information that they had that they likely had been sitting on because it was damaging to a Biden and even Obama administration. But once Tucker put the word out there, they went ahead and released the information they had for who knows how long. They get these damaging stories about their favorite politicians. And and in the old days of journalism, you wouldn't care who it was about. You wouldn't care if your brother was the governor of California. If you got some dirt and you were a real journalist, you were going to put your brother on blast. But now it's not that way. Now, everybody schmoozes with the next person. And everybody's buddy-buddy. And journalists basically make deals with the devil, cut backroom deals and say, hey, you know, you give me what I want and I'm sure I'll sure that there's no stories from our organization that come out that are bad about you. So on and so forth. It's really been the death of journalism, if we're being honest. Um, that's the long and short of it. All right, so let's do this. I'm going to move over here to Tucker. And again, I'm going to have to do some reading through this thing for those of you listening to the audio version. But I, I think we can survive going through this. So see if we can get Tucker Carlson to take it away. Many of the very people who ranted so hysterically about Russia were, even as they were doing it, even as they were yelling about Vladimir Putin, in fact, they were doing precisely what they claimed to decry. They were working on behalf of a foreign power, our chief global rival, the government of China. The Russia hoax effectively was a diversion It hid something that is not a hoax at all, but that is real and threatening to all of us. We're going to spend the foreseeable future reporting on the relationship between America's political and financial elites and the communist government of China that has made many of them very rich. But we want to start tonight with evidence, with a remarkable video. This video was recorded a little over a week ago on November 28th. The man you're about to see speak is a professor from Beijing called Di Dongcheng. What a name. D-Dunk Dong Chang. How do you think he dealt with uh, elementary school or even middle school? D-Dunk Dong Chang. video comes from an appearance that he made on a Chinese television show about Wall Street and international trade. D-Dunk. I'd be so mad at my parents. D-Dunk Dong Chang. D-Dunk Dong Chang. Chang works at Renmin University in Beijing. He is also, like so many in academia in China, a servant of his country's government. The only way you recover from a name like that is to win favor with the Chinese Communist Party. The most threatening, (laughs) brutal dictatorship on the planet. As long as you're with those guys, then people are going to stop making fun of your name. This video was del- you say ding dang dong chang in public and uh, you'll be executed within five minutes deleted from chinese social media soon after being uploaded and there's a reason for that as you'll see all right so here's here's where i work my magic all right this is showing the video for those of you listening to the audio they're showing the video i'm going to try to read the subtitles to you so let's see how well this works because i'm not i don't i barely know how to read basically so uh, he starts out saying the Trump administration is in a trade war with us. So why can't we fix the Trump administration? 
Why between 1992 and 2016 did China and the U.S. used to be able to settle all kinds of these issues, no matter what kind of issue, be it the... Uh, well, he's going too fast. Uh, certain incidents or, or the crashing of the plane. Things were assolved in no time, like a couple... Uh, like couples do with their quarrels starting at the bed head but ending at the bed end. We fixed everything in two months. He's talking about the old administrations that they, the Chinese government, used to be in bed with former administrations of the U.S. That they, if they had issues, they would be able to solve them before they ever made it out into the public square. He said, what is this reason? I'm going to throw out something maybe a little bit explosive here. It's just because we had people at the top, at the top of U.S. government. At the top of America's core inner circle of power and influence, we have our old friends. There's a lot of garbage floating around on the internet right now, a lot of fake things. That video is real, and those subtitles are accurate. We checked today with two different Chinese speakers and confirmed that. What he just said, what you just read on the screen, tells the story. This is as close to a smoking gun as we have ever seen. Quote, we have people at the top of America's core inner circle of power and influence. According to the man you just saw, that has been true for decades. So who are these people and how many of them work in our media and in our government? Well, he didn't say precisely. At one point in the video, he described a Chinese agent working as a vice president at, quote, a top Wall Street financial institution. I can't say more, he explained, without making political trouble. Di Dongsheng did tell his audience that one agent in particular was especially useful. And he goes on at some length about her. He describes her as an American who's lived abroad for many years, who is now a Chinese citizen. And this seems to baffle him a little bit. The Chinese government doesn't allow dual citizenship. Why would they? Why would anyone? Di Zhongsheng seems pleased that the U.S. government is foolish enough to allow it. He explains that this American agent, who lives at least part of the year in Beijing, helped the Chinese government with a propaganda operation in the city of Washington in 2015. And he goes on to describe that in some detail. The Obama administration was easy to manipulate, he suggests. They helped. The Chinese had many friends among the Obama people. Does, does, does that shock anybody? Is anybody shocked by that? The problem came when Donald Trump was elected. After that, he says, everything changed. He said for the past 30 or 40 years, we have been utilizing the core power of the United States. As I said before, since the 1970s, Wall Street had a very strong influence on the domestic and foreign affairs of the United States. So we had a channel to rely on. But the problem is that after 2008, the status of Wall Street has declined. And more importantly, after 2016, Wall Street can't fix Trump. Why? It's very awkward. Trump had a previous soft default issue with Wall Street, so there was a conflict between them. But I won't go into details. I may ha not have enough time. 
So during the U.S.-China trade war, they, Wall Street, tried to help. And I know that my friends on the U.S. side told me that they tried to help. But they couldn't do much. Since the 1970s, he said, and he's an economics professor, you should know, Wall Street has had enormous influence over the way the United States government operates, over American policy. The Chinese government, he says, has enormous influence on Wall Street. And that arrangement worked very well for a long time. Then Donald Trump unexpectedly was elected in 2016, and Wall Street was infuriated. Wall Street can't fix Trump, he said, but they tried. And this solves the mystery. If you're wondering why our political class has stood by and allowed the Chinese government to degrade this country and our way of life, why they've stood by as the Chinese government has flooded the United States with deadly opioids that have killed hundreds of thousands of people, or have stood by as the Chinese government ripped off billions in intellectual property from our companies, there's your answer. Earlier this year, the chairman of Harvard's chemistry department was arrested for taking $50,000 a month from the Communist Party of China in return for sending secrets and referring top scientists to Beijing. It barely rated as a scandal. You may not even be aware it happened. Why? Because so many are on the take, in effect. Donald Trump was an impediment to this very lucrative arrangement. And for that reason, Di Zhongsheng explains in the video, America's most powerful elites, and he calls them that, got to work on electing a new president. Again, read the words at the bottom of your screen as he speaks. He says, but now we're seeing Biden was elected. Now, keep in mind what Tucker just said to you. He said, this is the part where he starts to explain that they had a mission. And their mission was to eliminate the guy that was stopping them from advancing within the U.S. government. And that was Donald Trump, because he wasn't a pushover like every other administration back to the, the 90s and the 80s and even the 70s. They could infiltrate the government very easily, get within these campaigns, within these administrations, and really get what they want. But then Trump came along, and they couldn't get in. They, 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 they couldn't get their way. They couldn't get the trade secrets. They couldn't get the intellectual property all of a sudden. They couldn't even get their friends. Apparently, they've got many friends on Wall Street that couldn't do anything about it either. He said, but now we're seeing Biden was elected. <laughs> the traditional elite, the political elite, the establishment, they're very close to Wall Street, so you see that, right? Trump has been saying that Biden's son has some sort of global foundation. Have you noticed that? Who helped him? Biden's son, he's talking about. Who helped him build the foundations? Got it? There are a lot of people. There are. I'm sorry. There are a lot of deals in all these. Then, so at such a time... Oh, Donald Trump, he notes, because the Chinese do pay close attention to what we say here. Donald Trump has complained about Hunter Biden and his ties to the Chinese government. Those are real, he just confirms. So now you know why you weren't allowed to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop, 
why big business aligned as one, the tech companies and the rest, to suppress that story because they were implicated in it. Back in October, we interviewed a man called Tony Bobolinsky. We interviewed him because no one else would. Tony Bobolinsky was a business partner of the Bidens. Now, and we played you guys this interview with Bobolinsky because it was so important. And that was before the whole Fox News exodus where everybody, you know, stopped watching Fox News. And uh, we were just playing it to play it because we wanted it. It was very interesting. It was very damning. It, it really seemed to be the final nail in the Biden coffin, something that no politician would be able to recover from. And that still remains true. Because Biden did not recover from this and win the election. We know that for a fact. But we played that for you. And now we're playing things like what you're seeing now because we, we don't necessarily want you to watch Fox News if you don't have to. I mean, obviously, it's your choice. But these are very important things that we need to know. Just because Fox News seemed to, in the wake of the election, abandon Donald Trump does not mean you still... That, that doesn't mean you don't have patriots like tucker and sean hannity and uh who else jesse waters even greg gutfeld these guys are still standing strong to the extent they can i still believe their hands are tied to an extent but we bring you these things because they're important not because we're trying to rip off somebody else's show or because we're lazy and we don't want to do our own research this is the stuff that you need to know and however we got to bring it to you we're going to bring it to you. We did that with Bobolinsky. You remember that. You can actually go, if, if you'll look on our podcast or, or our YouTube channel, you can go back through. You can watch that interview and see our analysis on what all he was talking about. Very, very damaging stuff and stuff that was well documented. It wasn't just Tony Bobolinsky just talking about stuff from memory. He had receipts. He had emails. He had documentation. Saying, hey, here's here's the relationship with Joe, with Hunter, and the Chinese government. This guy is going to be bowing at the feet of China if he ever, ever gains power. And again, this was before the election. Here's what he told us about China. And in a document that you guys have, and uh, I think it's been provided to, you know, to the world, the Chinese referenced that because of their trust in uh, the Biden family, that Chairman Yi and Director Zhang are uh, excited about moving forward in this. And in that document, they referenced loaning $5 million to the BD family. Right. The BD family is the Biden family. What are the implications of this going forward? If Joe Biden is elected president, which could very well happen. How does this constrain his ability to deal with China? Are you asking for my personal I opinion? I am. I'm asking for your opinion as someone who's worked with the Chinese. So I think Joe Biden and the Biden family are compromised. I think Joe Biden and the Biden family are compromised with China. Looks like he was right about that. And it looks like the Bidens are far from the only ones who've been compromised. Gordon Chang has been covering this. And, and that was a highlighted after this piece came out on Tucker Carlson where they dropped this explosive inf information that nobody has seen yet. We could have guessed that it was out there, but we didn't know for a fact. We didn't know these fine details, and we surely didn't have it 
being said from a top economics professor in China, giving us the very fine details. Tucker drops this bombshell last night on a show. And then immediately after, a, a, a couple of uh, a, a couple of writers, I don't know if I'd call them journalists, but a couple of writers from Axios dropped an article about this very same issue. And the title of this article is exclusive... Suspected Chinese spy targeted California politicians. Now, this is not all just happening as of yesterday. This is stuff that was compiled over, at the very least, a number of weeks following the election. So why, back-to-back, would Tucker put out his piece and then Axios put out a piece really reiterating the same thing? With a few different minor details. I'll show you those in a moment. It's because Axios possibly didn't want to put this article out there. Maybe they've had this all along, but they decided to sit on it. Because as the story is being told, we're finding out this is a decades-old story. This is not something that just happened over the past few days. So I got to look into this Axios article and seeing what exactly it was talking about. And it gives you details about a female. Now, take note, in the video we just watched, the guy keeps talking about a female from China, from Beijing, that is working on behalf of the communist Chinese government to spy, as a spy, in America. A female. Okay? A female that's got dual citizenship, and again, China does not allow dual citizenship, but for this, I I guess they made an exception. And the article goes on to say a a suspected Chinese intelligence operative developed extensive ties with local and national politicians, including a U.S. congressman in what U.S. officials believe was a political intelligence operation run by China's main civil spy agency, civilian spy agency, Between 2011 and 2015, Axios found in a year-long investigation. So they've been working on this for a year, but they just so happened to drop it when Tucker dropped his story. Hmm. Why it matters, they say. The alleged operation offers a rare window into how Beijing has tried to gain access and influence in U.S. political circles. While this suspected operative's activities appear to have ended during the Obama administration's concerns about Beijing's influence operations have spanned President Trump's time in office and will continue to be a core focus for U.S. counterintelligence during the Biden administration. I would say so. My question is, what is it about Democrats that they keep allowing Chinese spies close to them how does this continue to happen remember diane feinstein remember she had a chinese spy on her staff and she's high up and she's high up in congress imagine the information that person was able to get their hands on the woman at the center of the operation a chinese national named feng feng love these names by the way 
or Christine Fang. She had to Americanize it a little bit once she got over here. Targeted up-and-coming local politicians in the Bay Area and across the country who had the potential to make it big on the national stage. Through campaign fundraising, extensive networking, personal charisma, and romantic or sexual relationships with at least two Midwestern mayors, Fang was able to gain proximity to political power, according to current and former U.S. intelligence officials and one former elected official. Even though U.S. officials do not believe Fang received or passed on classified information, the case was a big deal because there were some really, really sensitive people that were caught up in the intelligence network. Private but unclassified information about government officials, such as their habits, preferences, schedules, uh, social networks, and even rumors about them, is a form of political intelligence. Collecting such information is a key part of what foreign intelligence agencies do. Among the most significant targets of Fang's efforts was Representative Eric Swalwell, who is a Democrat House member out of California. You know Eric Swalwell well. He ran for president during the Democrat primaries. He's also made a clown of himself at many congressional hearings. Fang took part in a fundraising activity for Swalwell's 2014 re-election campaign. According to a Bay Area political operative and a current U.S. intelligence official, Swalwell's office was directly aware of these activities on its behalf. The political operative said that some political operative, that I'm sorry, that same political operative who witnessed Fang fundraising on Swalwell's behalf found no evidence of illegal contributions. Federal Election Commission records don't indicate Fang herself made donations, which is a big no-no under the law. Fang helped uh, Fang helped place at least one intern in Swalwell's office and interacted with Swalwell at multiple events over the course of several years. Swalwell's office said, "Hey, we've got uh, we confirmed that this happened, but we're not going to." participate in the story because we don't want to give away any classified information on accident, blah, 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 blah. Swalwell immediately cut all ties to Fang, and he has not been accused of any wrongdoing. Fang left the country unexpectedly in mid-2015 amid the investigation. She did not respond to multiple attempts by Axios to reach her by email and Facebook. The case demonstrates, and now this is Axios's opinion, The case demonstrates China's strategy of cultivating relationships that may take years or even decades to bear fruit. The Chinese Communist Party knows that today's mayors and city council members are tomorrow's governors and members of Congress. And that's kind of why they targeted the Bay Area, because the Bay Area is known to produce up-and-coming politicians. That those people are propelled into especially... Democrat fame. They are pushed into the spotlight, especially as some of these older members of Congress start to move out of the way. And it seems like they're never going to do so, but they will. They will soon enough. Um, but that's why they target the Bay Area. So you go down in this article because I don't want to. I don't want to beat you all over the head with it. Tulsi Gabbard is involved in this as well, as you see here, between. 
Let's see. Between 2011 and 2015, Fang's activities brought her into contact with many of the Bay Area's most prominent politicos. She volunteered for Rokana's unsuccessful 2014 house bid, according to a former campus organizer and social media post. Kahana, a Democrat, was elected to the House in 2016. Their office said he remembers seeing Fang at several Indian American political gatherings, gatherings, but did not have further contact with her. The office said the FBI did not brief him on her activities. His 2014 campaign staff said that Fang's name does not appear in their staff records, though they said that their records do not include all volunteers. Fang also helped with a fundraiser for Tulsi Gabbard in 2013. According to a flyer from the event, Fang shared on Facebook. She appeared in photos over multiple years with a host of California politicians, including uh, Kahana, Swalwell, Judy Chu, Mike Honda, and Tulsi Gabbard, apparently. Gabbard has no recollection of ever meeting or talking with her, nor any recollection of her playing a major role at the fundraiser. So you go on, there's more details, uh, but what it comes down to is what the purpose was. And I think they put that in the article. I'm trying to find it real quick. This thing is lengthy. And I wonder why Axios sat on this story for so long. They said at the end, the bottom line is U.S. intelligence officials believe China's spy services have become more aggressive and emboldened, including in their U.S.-focused influence and political intelligence gathering operations. Fang's case shows how a single determined individual allegedly working for Beijing can gain access to sensitive U.S. political circles, especially when it comes to the Democrat Party. Because really, if we're being honest, you can get within the upper echelon of the Democrat Party just based on your pronouns or your skin color or your nation of of origin. Am I lying? So this is something that is going to be a real concern if we do enter into an area, an a- area, an era where Joe Biden illegitimately becomes president, there will be no longer, there will be no more Russia talk. Russia won't be, we won't have a second thought about Russia. That won't matter. China will be our biggest threat. Russia is not even within the top 10 of the world's top economies. China is number two next to the U.S. of A. China has a mission of creating the world's largest military. China wants to be the world superpower. Now imagine the position we, the U.S., are in. Numero uno, top of the heap, everybody looks to us for their answers to their problems. Imagine China holding that spot. China making the decisions for the betterment of the rest of the world. China being the one everybody's looking to when 
the next coronavirus outbreak happens. How do you think that's going to work out? Not good. Not good at all. And now we are possibly weeks away from the Chinese Communist Party being in our White House making the most important decisions anyone makes in our country. That should scare the ever-loving crap out of you. But some good news. We're making some headway when it comes to the contesting of the election. We've heard several instances of different voting machines. I think 20-something voting machines maybe in Michigan that have been seized to have forensic studies done on them to see what these Dominion machines are actually doing, why they seem to be producing weird numbers that don't necessarily match the ballots that have been run through. Because there's twofold here, and I I think I need to explain it because it can get confusing. You hear the talk of a recount not mattering, Because you're just counting the the same illegal ballots. And then you hear about the Dominion voting machines and how the voting machines are actually changing votes. Well, you think of the voting machines changing votes, then you can obviously fix that with a hand recount when you're actually looking at the ballots. That's true. There's There's two different prongs to this. There is the fraudulent ballots, the absentee ballots that aren't actually sent in by the people that allegedly sent them in there is the fact that some poll or vote counters at these vote counting centers are running ballots through multiple times there are people filling out new ballots but then there's dominion voting machines that are actually set up with an algorithm to swap votes from one candidate to another in the presidential campaign for one reason or another whether that is because They have a setting saying if it looks like this, make sure you send it to Biden, X, Y, and Z. I explained to you yesterday the point system. And this was just an example that they would assign 0.75 points, three quarters of a point to Donald Trump each time a ballot for him ran through. And then 1.25 for Biden, which would give him a point and a quarter for every time one of his ballots went through. So for every, for instance, for every four ballots that went through from Biden, he would technically get five. And for every five ballots that went through for Trump, he would technically get four, given Joe Biden a 25% advantage, or even a 50% advantage at all times. I'm not good at math, so don't worry about that. OEN did an amazing job on a piece about that one Dominion voting machine that was seized in that small county in Georgia, Ware County. We mentioned that on the show as well. I think last week we got word that that had happened. I guess an independent group got their hands on this machine, and they were looking at it. They were studying it. Well, OAN has found the results, at least from the initial study that they've done on this machine, and they reported on that. And it's somewhat encouraging, but it's really just telling us what we already knew. Well, the forensics examination of Dominion Voting Systems machine in Ware County, Georgia, reportedly finds votes for President Trump were switched to votes for Joe Biden. 
That's according to Georgia GOP Congressman Jody Heiss, who expressed outrage over the matter on Twitter. One lawmaker familiar with the examination said after an equal number of Trump and Biden votes were forensically analyzed, the machines reportedly 87 percent for Trump, 113 percent for Biden, when it should be 100 percent for everyone, for both of them. This means the machines tabulator. I tell you what, that Joe Biden, he's such a great politician. He got 115 percent. Come on, man. Come on, man. Gave Biden a 26 percent lead. ICE called on states officials to examine all Dominion voting machines for fraud. In the meantime, One America Chanel Rion tracked down the source of this report to sort out fact from fiction. Take a look. While social media and citizen journalists have democratized the landscape of news media, one downfall is when a story spreads in viral fashion. Key details can get distorted. That is exactly what happened in Georgia. A story spread claiming that in Ware County, Georgia, a forensics team proved a Dominion machine had flipped ballots from Trump to Biden in the thousands. OAN tracked down the source of this finding, a voter integrity group called Voter GA. Garland Favorito of Voter GA says, while votes were indeed flipped from Trump to Biden, key details of the story have been distorted. First of all, I want to thank you, Chanel and OAN, for investigating this and finding out what is right and what's wrong. So I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Now, this guy may be the hardest guy to listen to on the planet. God bless him for the work he's doing. But after watching this three times, because I fell asleep the first two times, he makes not only some good points, but he's got some good information. So try to stay awake. Uh, to talk to you about that. Um, so what's right is that uh, 37 votes uh, do appear to have been flipped um, by the Dominion Democracy Suite 5.5. In uh, Now, he's had 37 votes. So keep in mind, this is a very, very small rural Georgia area. So 37 votes doesn't seem like a lot. But in, in the grand scheme of how small this county is, it's you know, could be the deciding factor. Uh, in Ware County, we know that from the uh, results that the elections uh, division in, at the county gave us between the hand count audit and the original election results that were um, created by the Dominion machine. What's wrong, though, is that the speculation that uh, someone had to get a machine and run all kinds of forensics on it to uh, determine that, that never happened. That wasn't necessary. Um, however, that should be done. Now that we know that the um, flipping of the votes did occur, um, we need to find out why. Okay, so maybe maybe I did fall asleep on the third one because apparently they didn't get their hands on the machine, but they did find out, like I said, during the recount, that the votes weren't adding up to what they were hearing from or what they were getting from the machines. But that's not the most interesting part. The interesting part is how they got their numbers from the machine, which you'll hear here in a moment. Favorito says, while several possibilities exist, a prime suspect is malware designed to switch the votes. Voter GA confirmed with the Ware County election director, indeed, 37 votes had been electronically switched 
for unknown reasons, a mistake discovered during the hand recount. Oddly, the 37-vote mistake represented 0.26% of the county totals, exactly Biden's total statewide margin of 0.26%. Favorito has submitted a sworn affidavit with these findings. There's a grave concern now that we've seen this type of what apparent is, is a flip in Georgia. And it does, as you said, it exactly aligns very, very well with the, um, the Michigan uh, uh, vote flip up there. And then that raises a lot of questions about Maricopa County in Arizona, which is also running these Dominion uh, Democracy Suite 5.5 systems, and maybe some other counties in, around the uh, battleground states as well. So um, it basically calls for really hand counts in all of these counties and all these states where these machines are being used. To this point, Antrim County, Michigan merits a forensics investigation. 6,000 votes had been affected, digitally switching votes from Trump to Biden. Favorito says Antrim County's situation was portrayed as a configuration mismatch. Uh, it certainly is possible. But the fact that you could make that kind of a claim and never do forensics to uh, back it up is just unacceptable when you're considering that the entire presidential election may hang on uh, a, a given voting system. Favorito's affidavit and testimony were scrapped in the Georgia State House Thursday. Favorito says because he had damning testimony against Georgia's Secretary of State and how he conducted the hand recount. When we did the full hand count, so uh, listen to that part. The fact that he was supposed to testify in that Georgia hearing that we we watched on Thursday. This is the same hearing that provided that videotape we had in Atlanta where they were pulling the briefcases out, the suitcases out from under the tables. They axed this guy because he had damaging evidence, damaging testimony against the Secretary of State. And I'll go ahead and tell you, we don't have to have their testimony to know why the Secretary of State, Bryant Kemp, the Georgia governor, why these guys are acting the way they are, why they're not pushing to find out the truth. Because they are implicated in this. They were part of the decision-making when it came to bringing Dominion voting machines in. Not that they brought them in in order to defeat the Republican incumbent or defeat Trump, but they got some pretty hefty kickbacks in order to bring that in. So them, their family members, their loved ones were getting all this money simply because they pulled the trigger to use Georgia taxpayer dollars to bring in a voting system that was ultimately going to silence Georgia voters. Yeah, we were very excited about it because we knew that it would be able, we'd be able to determine whether the Dominion voting systems were counting correctly. What we did not know was that the secretary was going to uh, force the counties to put the results in his system and then tell the counties what their what their results are. So, so the 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 secretary of state decided, and who knows when he did this? Maybe at the last minute that instead of the traditional, the county tells. Uh, I'm sorry, the the precinct tells the county what their numbers are. The county then tells the state what their numbers are, and then it goes from there. They did it from the top down. The Secretary of State, for whatever reason, a guy that apparently, I mean, it seems to be, maybe wanted to make sure the numbers came out as they were supposed to through these Dominion machines, 
He wanted the precincts to uh, immediately send him the numbers of their vote count, and then he would send it back to them. Why would you do that? Nobody does that. Nobody's ever done that. That is shady. Um, and instead of the counties reporting in bottom up, the way all elections are reported from precinct to county to state, it didn't happen that way. And in addition to that, the data entry points at the counties were not monitored. So we had no idea what they were actually entering. I've never heard of top-down election reporting uh, in the history of Georgia, the history of America, or even worldwide. Elections are always reported from the bottom up, uh, precincts to counties to the state. It's a completely uh, an abnormality of unprecedented nature. The Georgia State House is expected to hold another hearing, this time in the House to take a closer look at these election irregularities. The question is, will they be able to muster the strength to force their leadership to hold a special session and do something about it? So there's a report from OAN on that very issue. Now, it's important because this stuff can get the waters can get muddied on it and it can get confusing as to what's what. Again, as I said earlier, this thing is twofold. This thing is fraudulent ballots, and then on the other side, there's the issue of the Dominion voting machines. So when he says we can do a hand recount and match it with what the Dominion voting machine said, you will find discrepancies, even if there's fraudulent ballots. You've only got a select few states, a select few cities that just sent out ballots to everybody on the voter rolls you had that happen in michigan you had it happen in pennsylvania which are two very important states that you can't do a hand recount on and in georgia as well you can't do a hand recount of those ballots and come with come out with the truth because some of those ballots are fraudulent they're showing up in suitcases nobody knows where they come from they've thrown away the the, the envelopes that the ballots were stored in, you don't know. But when it comes to Dominion and the ballots themselves, you can count the ballots, whether that's in Maricopa County or some of the other places he noted. You can count those ballots, match them to Dominion, and if Dominion is giving extra points to Biden or if Dominion is flipping votes from Trump to Biden with this malware or with this algorithm, you will be able to see that, at which point you will then be able, you should get the green light to then do a forensic study on these machines, which absolutely needs to be done and needs to be done ASAP. That's supposedly what's going on in Michigan. We'll see what comes of that. They've got like 27 machines there. A judge intervened to make that happen. That's good news. We'll see what comes of it. It's kind of a weird time right now. It's crunch time, as I mentioned. We've got six week, uh, six days left before the electors meet or selected or cast their, their votes. And uh, Rudy Giuliani is currently diagnosed with COVID-19. He's on the sidelines, but he says he's keeping up with everything and he's still on the front lines fighting. Whatever that entails, we don't know. But I will tell you this. This week, hold the line. Don't waver. Don't get weary. We'll be all right. We'll get through this week, and next Monday, 
We'll see where we're at. We'll see what happens. And we'll keep pushing forward. But we are going to be all right. I'm telling you. That's it for me. Make sure you click subscribe. Click the notification bell. We are 50-something subscribers away. I think we're only 54 subscribers away from reaching that 1,000 mark. So if you haven't shared this with your friends, even your friends that don't want to watch it, just tell them to subscribe. We just need warm bodies to get in the algorithm. Subscribe, notification bell, like our social media, over the line on Facebook, at Andrew McLean, who on everything else, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts on Spotify, and whatever podcast platform you listen to. Until next time, see you, cuz!